my name is Alma Hernandez and I'm the director of marketing intern and wisest girl for, for the wisest woman. Um, and today we're going to be talking about uh, the about the first episode of season two featuring Nikki Wynn, which is called Immigrate. She talks about the first generation perspective coming from an immigrant household and overall a woman of color pursuing a STEM or higher education. And so I wanted to just introduce myself. Um, I am a fourth year student at the University of Georgia, majoring in PR and international affairs. Um, and so we're really excited to um, have other, uh, other two interns, other two wisest girls, uh, Caroline Romo and Nikki Patel. Um, and so thank you so much for joining me. Uh, before we get started, why don't, why don't you tell us a little bit more about yourself? Either one of you guys can go first. <laughs> Okay, I guess I'll go. Uh, well, thank you so much for having me here. My name is Caroline Bromo. I am a digital marketing intern, and I am a current undergraduate student. I'm in my second year. Uh, I'm at the University of St. Thomas. I'm majoring in biology with hopes of applying to dental school. And I'll pass it on to Nikita. Hi, my name is Nikita Patel and I am the Sales and Partnership Intern at The Wisest Woman. I am a post-bac student at the University of St. Thomas, um, where I, um, I was a student of Dr. Chandra's in chemistry, in chemistry class. And I uh, wish to go on to do um, higher education um, and apply to become a physician assistant. That's very great. I think that all of us, it's really amazing to see women of color pursuing higher education. Um, I know that we all come from different backgrounds. Um, so I guess we can start off by discussing kind of like, why did we pursue, why do, why do we want to pursue what we want to pursue in higher education? Like, why did we decide to go into university? And did our family take a part in that? So I, I come from an immigrant household. My Both of my parents are from Mexico. And so I am definitely first generation. I, I'm the oldest of three kids and I'm also the only girl. So everything that I have done has kind of like been of my own ambition, kind of like what I wanted to do. I realized from a very young age that if I wanted to reach where I wanted to be at, I needed to work hard. I needed to do everything. And so I think that um, just seeing my parents um, and how they decided to come to this country for a better life has made me that's I mean that's my motivation my inspiration and so that's I guess like why I decided why, why I decided to pursue higher education. Finally to Alma uh, both my parents come from Mexico and I am also a first-generation student and uh, my family definitely plays a part into why I chose to pursue further like uh, getting a higher education because um I have an older sibling and she most definitely also played a part into that. Um, but she didn't pursue a, a career in STEM because she is the oldest child. And uh, she definitely felt the need to be able to support our family financially before being able to pursue something else like STEM that would have to uh, include furthering her education for longer and having to pay tuition for many more years. And uh, not only that, but uh, a lot of my family, especially my cousins, they have not been going to college and they have no interest in doing so. And so I, I have always had a passion for science and, uh, since the beginning of si uh, middle school. And 
through teachers and mentors, I felt that I really enjoyed science and biology specifically or medically inclined sciences because it plays a big part in the community and giving back to the community and ensuring um, everyone's well-being. And yeah, I will pass it on to Nikita. Okay, so my story is a little bit different because, okay, so I did my bachelor's about 13, 14 years ago in biochemistry. And um, now, and, and this was back in England at London. I graduated from King's College London. And then I went to work in pharmaceuticals um, field where I actually got my job even before I finished my finals, but then I still obviously finished my finals. And I did contemplate going, I always wanted a further education. And it was, okay, so my parents are not college students, but obviously we were, um, you know, everyone around me, whether it be my, within my family, my friends, everyone was going to college. It, so it was kind of like, if I didn't go, then I would be like the only one not going. Um, and actually I am probably the only, only one, no, in my family, maybe one or two that haven't got the um, the higher level of education, which is kind of pushed me. Like I've always wanted it myself, but the reason why I didn't pursue something before because I didn't know what I really wanted. I looked at certain things, um, certain programs, but it wasn't coming from the heart. And um, once you go in the working world, I was enjoying the money and everything. Um, I had a great time in pharma. But then when we moved over here to the US and I was working in research and that's when, you know, the lab times and everything, I kind of all came back to me. I'm at a different phase to that higher level of education. Yes, my husband and my two children, age seven and eight, are extremely, extremely supportive of it. Actually, if it wasn't for my husband, I don't think I would have gone ahead and a lot there there is there has been a lot of imposter syndrome um, which we talk about so much that I've had to overcome and I'm I know we us we talked about it on on our little chat that we have and I recommended a book to Caroline which I hope she reads and I really had to overcome that before I took our next step in anything I did so yeah that's uh that's very that brings me to my other topic um as women of color um have you both of you ever felt well definitely like imposter syndrome like how has that experience been and how do you both deal with it so with the regards to imposter syndrome um i've had to learn a lot of self-help um and i think for me personally saying that came with a lot of um, with with age, a, little, a lot of maturity um, for myself. I was not as mature as you guys are uh, at your age. So um, a lot of self help. Um, I am a reader, so self help self help books really helped me. And one of the things is, um, you know, having someone to look up to. Um, who may have had the same journeys as myself or, you know, um, may not have had but or had even more challenges than I had. For example, when we talk, when I listened to Janelle's um, pod, um, you know, when we had uh, Janelle's podcast when she came onto our show, and I thought that was really inspiring. Like, 
if she could do it and through, she went through so much, I mean, I haven't been through a quarter of what she has been through. So that really um, inspired me. So, yes. So my thing is inspiration and books. I completely agree with you 100%. I think that I her experience, the way of how she got into MIT really spoke with me just because I felt like I was back in my whole when I was applying to colleges. Like I, she transported me back into that time. Um, and I think that the way I deal with imposter syndrome is through um, just remembering my values. Like, where do I want to be at? And like, also remembering uh, there's only one of me. And I, I hold a very special motto in my heart of like, if it's meant to be, it's simply going to come to you. Um, it will be. And so um, I think that um, whatever lies for all of us, it's going to find us. No, yeah, most definitely. I, I feel that the way I'm able to work around imposter syndrome is self-advocacy because although there are those moments of self-doubt, oh, I don't belong, maybe I'm not worth um, having these positions or having these opportunities that are given to me, um, because there, being first generation definitely comes along with a sense of not belonging. Um, but I guess you have to also be there to support yourself. I think that um, you can be your worst critic, but I think at the same time, you could be the person who motivates you. And so definitely self-advocacy plays a big part into that because you have to, again, keep that mind, that goal in mind and think about where you want to be and think that again like you said if it's meant to be it's meant to be I mean you get to where you are because of the effort that you put into things right right um as women of color have you guys ever ever felt not belonging well I feel like I think that's a, that's a given but like can both of you explain a certain situation or some just like how does it feel not belonging within maybe the university life? I know for me, um, I go to, P to a PWI, a predominantly white school. And so um, I often feel very out of place. I think that the first time I went into, I literally transferred out within one week just because I felt so uncomfortable. I like, I, I cried, like, I don't know. I just felt like an outsider. I felt like I couldn't fit in. Like I was in a, I want to say like 100 person class and I was the only like person of color. And so, um, but it definitely got, gotten used to like, I'm, to this environment because I also have to remember that I'm here, like I'm meant to be here. And so I'm, I'm, I'm meant to give a perspective, like a change in a voice as well. So uh, I was walking on campus and another student that was walking their dog uh, came up behind me and I was scared because I had a bad experience uh, as a young child with dogs. I got bit in the face, um, but uh, because I, I got startled by, by the dog from the student from behind me, uh, they, they're all like, what are, are you an immigrant? And of course there's nothing to be ashamed of uh, because I am, uh, I am first generation, but, but I mean, I was, I was born here. Uh, but even if I was an immigrant, there's definitely nothing wrong with that. I mean, people that do immigrate, they come here looking for something better, but there's definitely no correlation between being startled by a dog and having such a comment being thrown at you. Um, and so that was, that was something that happened and uh, it definitely makes you feel like you don't belong, but at the same time, 
I have to make myself belong. I'm I'm going to school and I just have to learn to, uh, I guess, block out those comments and just ignore them because at the end of the day, I'm there to get a degree and not not listen to what other people are saying. And I'm on my own journey and my own path and I should not be affected by what others have to say. Oh, wow. That's really interesting to hear how you guys have felt. Um, I haven't um, felt like that, but definitely hearing both of your stories, it's made me want to be more aware of how others may feel. I've never thought about it that way. Um, I live, maybe because I'm a person who lives a little bit in my own cocoon, I have had racial like slurs thrown at me, but not at a workplace, obviously not, and um, not at um, an academic institution. But for me, I just took it with a pinch of salt and I just, I mean, this is also I'm a lot more wiser and older now. Um, it, I just felt that, oh my God, like I, I felt um, sad for that person that I feel so sorry for you that you have so much hatred within yourself. And that obviously came with um, age. And I, I think I've come to that point where I found that I have got peace within myself and it's just not letting any, anything external disturb the peace within myself. So um, it's not a woman of color, but definitely a woman in my previous job um, back in England. I, I was the only female. It was a full male team um, and I did feel like there are parts with uh, after I became a mom I couldn't have the conversations that I would have liked to and I'm a real feminine girl I'm a girly girl and I just felt like like I couldn't I couldn't talk play dates with them I couldn't talk about like it just wasn't them and for me you know it was very much part of me but then um I, I would feel a bit intimidated um, about certain conversations because I don't watch that much sports, you know, which is a guy conversation to have. But then I, I how I overcame that is just by reminding myself, um, like just like you girls do, is why you are there. So for me, it was, look, I am over here because I have got something about me that I'm able to stand here on my two feet with. So it's having that self-worth like both of you say, you are there to become a dentist student. You are there to go to class. And the reason why you're there is because you have the ability and the capability to get you there. So, yeah, um, once, you know, I kept saying that like a mantra to my head, it definitely um, helped me because, yes, there, there were conversations I just couldn't have because my life had obviously changed quite a lot. Interesting. I think that... Um Definitely, I think being like just overall feeling like an outsider is like happens to in a lot of industries. Um, I also wanted to touch on um, just overall how how is it like coming from a cultural background um, and being like in America. Um, I guess I could go first. Um, I guess like the constant fears and um, like the constant fears of, I guess in my perspective, like of like, oh, like my parents being deported back or I just overall like losing, I guess, my 
my ambition or like to keep going or like supporting my family and all that. But also there comes with obstacles of coming from a cultural background, but there's not a lot of obstacles. And the way I'm talking about is that like, um, and Nikki also mentioned this on, on the podcast, how like I kind of had to be the one doing the translation. I started tr translating for my parents' documents, phone calls, um, at like I want to say age 10 um, and also doing their taxes, but yeah. Well, I'm always saying I, for sure, at a young age, I remember having to translate. And even now I still uh, translate certain documents or fill out things for them or help them in any way possible. Um, but coming from a cultural background, I guess it, it's definitely something difficult to even go outside because, uh, like I said, racism is still definitely a thing that exists. And I guess a fear for me is not being able to respond. I guess it's it's so hurtful to be uh, exposed to these experiences and um, just being so shocked by what these people have to say that you're blocked. Like you, you're speechless. You don't know what to say. And it hurts because your parents have to hear this and they, they don't deserve it. They don't deserve these type of uh, uh, words of hatred. And so I guess that that's just a fear of mine and that's something that comes with it. But I guess on a positive side, coming from a cultural background allows us to be able to appreciate diversity. For sure. I think that um, we has, have such a wide ra range of just overall traditions and perspectives um, and especially like being bilingual. I think all of us are bilingual. And um, I think that some people, I've seen a lot of like, um, like social media stuff how like a lot of like white people like for example like knowing English and French is seen as, as something attractive while like a person of color knowing for example like Spanish and English is, is seen kind of like ghetto to them and so I completely disagree with like knowing uh like just like thinking about it now like I can think in Spanish like I feel like that's so you know crazy like having such a wide range of information in your head um but yeah, I definitely coming from a cultural background, like it may seem like sometimes like I don't fit in with my classmates, but like it's it's who I am. It's where I come from. So really interesting to hear. Um, definitely. I come from um, a slightly different background <laughs> in the sense that so I have Indian ancestry, but I'm third generation out of there. So my great grandparents from both my uh, um mom and dad's side, moved to East Africa, which I don't know if uh, many people know about um, over here in the US, but with the British colony, um, a lot of, you know, they stayed in India for quite a long time. So uh, they took some um, people for their workforce and migrated them to Africa. And so, and then, so my parents were bo both born and raised under the British rule, which meant that their uh, level of education and everything was under the British standards. Um, and then obviously I went to a British school um, when I stayed in Kenya. Uh, I was born in England, then I moved back um, because all our family is there. I've completed up till I think what you guys would say high school. And then I came back and then I went back to England. But for me, it was a seamless process, okay, because I was just... I was raised one way and it was more of a British way. Yes, at, thing, at home, thing, things were a little bit different, 
but it wasn't far-fetched it wasn't like because I had my grandparents who had they had done a lot of the um, the hard work for us to be honest so it wasn't that bad to be honest but I do feel after like you know coming here and after the way the world has changed over the past few years I feel like yes I can you know somebody says something to me I can handle it or brush it off but with for example um like Nikki uh Nikki said in the um on our show like the whole like for example China virus and then the subsequent hate crimes that led to that so when the delta um strain variant came out which actually happened in India I was a little bit concerned for my children now we do look indian although our culture we wouldn't say we're fully indian either because you know you've got the british and then we've got a little bit of the african there and then you've got the indian but at first stance when you look at myself my husband or my children we look indian um and i was really scared about what they would if anyone would say anything to my children in school to be honest um and yes when we speak you know we we come, my husband and I come off as british but my children don't see that i mean they're still children they see themselves as american although they were not born here i mean we moved when they were like 1 and 1 and a half but it does scare me that where is this leading to because like houston is a melting pot i came from england and um, london london was a um, melting pot like they say and like Nikki said is that what she went through like you know you do have a few bad apples here and there but when there is comments being that are being said at a very high level um which influence a lot of people um that this is where um i get a little bit scared i mean i'm so if i'm blessed um i've got lovely neighbors they're american and it is it is a um diverse community and they don't seem the type to change <laughs> but i would be disappointed if anything changed uh, not for myself but for my children and i do at times worry that if this is how the world is turning to um how safe is it going to be for them when they go to high school because they see themselves as american which is right and that's what they are but then afterwards afterwards when you're being told you know what you don't belong here for my children you know i wouldn't want them to get get hurt so yeah that is very interesting to hear um also kak had kind of like a side question um since you mentioned that your children came here like around or you know like were mostly raised here um do they also have like a british accent or do they kind of just have an american accent yeah. so when we came here my youngest son couldn't even speak so he's got an american accent and my eldest son he did have a british accent because he was speaking a bit but no um i mean they started um they did pre-k kindergarten everything over here so it's they are very much americanized <laughs> so funny um another thing i wanted to bring up is that yeah that's that's very true but i think that um as time goes on and on um i i read a study how um eventually the minorities are going to become the majority is from i've been hearing and so that makes me kind of feel at ease in a way just because okay maybe that lessen like all the hatred like all the crimes and etc 
Um, but I also wanted to ask um, our last question of, since Nikki mentioned about um, how she, she mentioned using privilege to struggle. Um, and that kind of goes with like, uh, for example, like on your college essay, where you kind of like um, enhance your trauma, your cultural experience in order to kind of like make it seem kind of like a soft story in a way. I know that sounds bad, but like, I think a lot of people do that. Um, so kind of like, have you, both of you kind of experienced that? Um, I know for some of the essays, like I'm going to have to admit, like I have kind of like, but I, I think I told it in the way that like, that those are my roots coming from immigrant household are my roots. So, I mean, that's, that's been my life. So what about you guys? Yeah, so I've definitely heard that a lot of people that are first generation most definitely uh, have something to write about that in regards uh, to being first generation within their college entrance ex uh, essays. Um, and for me, of course, I, I did include that, but I made sure to write it in a way that it wasn't romanticized. I mean, this isn't anything, um, I guess, to... The way that I used this to uh, my advantage was I was able to demonstrate that although we faced so many challenges or and my, my family has faced so many challenges in trying to come here and give us a better life, it has allowed me to become a more motivated and hard, harder working student because I've had their support um, and their constant motivation and reminders that you are, they, they would drop me off at school and they would be like, remember, you are number one, blah, blah, blah. Things along those words, um, they're words of encouragement. And I truly believe that a lot of people that are, that come from similar backgrounds tend to be very hardworking people because they have uh, motivation from a very young age. I mean, I remember wanting to uh, go to college or even uh, applied to dental school since I was in elementary school. I, I mean, that that's how early these these uh, values were instilled in me. It's it's always been important for me to uh, value education and um, just want to become a better person and student overall because I want to continue learning. I mean, it's it's something valuable, and that's something that I I definitely wrote in my essay. I mean, it, that's something that you that that has always been an advantage, and that's the way that I see it. I mean, uh, they struggled so that I couldn't, and so that I can make a better future for myself and for my future generations to come. I think that's really well said, um, Caroline. I think it's, that's awesome. I just like the way you just phrase the whole thing. So for myself, it's, it's actually it's a little bit of a spin-off on Caroline. I promise you I'm not going to copy parts of your essay. <laughs> okay, so with me, it's like, firstly, like Caroline said, is that, you know, um, you're you know, the value of education. So in an Indian household, now this doesn't matter whether you're first generation, second, third, fourth, fifth, 20th, education is literally a religion, okay? And everyone has to get it. <laughs> it was like, literally, literally it's, it's a survival thing, right? Like, um, I don't think I I would have, I don't, I don't know. I can't even think what I would have, if what I would, how I would say I'm not gonna go for an education. But so my college, um, I mean, honestly saying, thanks so much to my forefathers and I, you know, my husband and I was so appreciative of this and this is what we really teach our children of our journey of why we are in America is actually because of them. If they didn't make that transit out of India, hundreds and hundreds 
um, slowly, slowly moving, you know, into England, my we wouldn't have probably had this opportunity that we've come over here and we are as settled as we are in, in within five years. Okay, so it's not a my story is not about a story of struggle because I don't think I have struggled. Struggled is what our ancestors did. I came over here on an airplane on a direct flight, not what my ancestors did on a ship for like a month. And I don't even know if they had seasickness. I don't think they knew, knew what it was. But so my story is, and I've obviously been thinking about it because I actually apply in April, is going to be a story about an opportunity. And what I love is that I've been able with this, I've come over here. So my husband, we got sent um, because of my husband's job. So he, he came, he had a job. I had myself, I'd given up my career and I just had myself and two kids and a fresh start. And this is where I, you know, you hear about the stories, the American dream and the opportunities. But if you really want to make something of yourself, I'm really, really love the way that I am able to have the opportunity that I have to be able to start again. I mean, is it, it's going to be hard, right? Like after 13 years, um, I have places like, you know, her telling me you can't even apply to us because you're in another country and we don't count that. I don't want to do my bachelor's again because, you know, where I'm at the age and the extra cost of tuition and having a family. But there are still those institutions who are saying, you know what, do your pre-American prerequisites um, and we will. you can still apply to us. And then what's going to happen, I mean, is up to them. And obviously my grades will speak, but I just find that it's a fantastic opportunity that at any age, if I wanted to, I want to turn my life around, I want to go into something different. I'm able to find the path. There are, you know, going up, being lucky enough to meet the right people to guide me so. And it's not just been just about the academics and filling in the tick boxes but it's also been I've had the opportunity to do other things for example get involved in undergraduate research um, on, on the side um, you know get involved in this fabulous social impact um, awareness program that you know we're doing over here at the wisest women by a wise cast so that's my story it's a story about opportunity and I think that's what makes America so great is the fact that it's the opportunity that um, we get, which, yes, it is a better life for ourselves and our children, but that actually has a repellent effect onto a better community, a better society. And I think that's where um, if we could all work together and support each other and, you know, just understand, have the empathy, like Nikki was saying that when, she, you know, she through the hardship she was going, she just would go and go into Dr. Chandra's office and cry. And it actually made me realize that, hey, empathy has no language, you know. If your friend doesn't have English as a first language, like, you know, your, your peer in your class, they just think they, they may take a little bit longer um, to understand things. It's not because they're dumb. It's just because the language processing in the class in their head is different and definitely there are so many advantages of being bilingual um i think from I, I think i read somewhere that being bilingual from a very young age actually helps i can't, I can't remember exactly what it is but with neural connections so it's definitely um a 
a pro and an advantage thing. And yeah, that's that's going to be my story because I don't really have a sob story, but a story of gratitude for the opportunity. For sure. I I am always uh, left astonished with you both. I think that um, it's very amazing seeing all of us really pursue higher education despite our our various backgrounds. Um, but that is the end of our after party for episode one of season two. Uh, but the party continues on all of our socials. Make sure to like and subscribe to Wisecast after. Uh, where you, or wherever you get your podcast um, and to follow us on Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn um, and thank you so much <laughs> thank you